Do it again. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. You're listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. A martini, shaken, not stirred. Don't try and church it up, son. You can't handle the truth. I am the picture that got small. Your first one's on us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Rigadana. And with me, as always, Richie Byrne. Your producer, Soul Joel. Well, today we have a special guest in studio yes. with us. Uh, we have a very good friend of mine, and we have a, a fun history because we're new friends. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Rhonda Handsome's here. Ooh, one funny Negro, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what end. she sounds like. <laughs> All right, now that she stole my album title. <laughs> so now, uh, Rhonda, you and I know each other from John Fugelsang's show. Oh, yes, yes. That was how we first met. We, uh, I we were, love that. Now, you're on... Every Monday. Every Monday. 2 so to 5 p.m. Anybody listening that has Sirius XM, when really? you're done listening to us... Tune go in. To, go to um, Tell Me Everything with John Fugelsang <laughs> on Mondays, and you get to hear... This beautiful voice. It's Tall, Dark, and Handsome Monday. (laughs) (laughs) And now you guys just recently worked together, right? Oh, yes. Yes. We did a charity event technically, but I've been doing it for years. Comedy Cures, Saren Rothberg. And have I talked about this? Yes. I have on the show. She buses in um, uh, people who are sick. Pretty serious, and, and they're caregivers at uh, Broadway Comedy Club, and they get lunch, and they get a, a they get a show. great comedy show, yeah. and uh, yeah, wonderful uh, sandwiches and yeah. sides, and and, uh, and it's to it's a. It's not only a boost for them. I mean, the whole thing is so upbeat. It's just like it makes you uh, feel. Good. It makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Love it. Uh, Paul Stanley says, uh, "People say give till it hurts." I say give till it feels good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we worked together when on we that. We did that. We had a lot of fun. We've been doing yeah. that for a couple of years. Yeah, and, and I've been doing them for. 15 years. And the founder is such a great person who has recovered. Yes. She has recovered and her hair has grown out. She looks fabulous and she's giving back to others, which is just great. She and I had a radio show here in New York for a while. Mm. That was a Comedy Cures radio show. It was was a lot of fun. I really like her. She's a good friend, yeah. Nice. So how we start every show is uh, we start with a drink. With a drink. Oh. So if you're allowed... If you're going to drink anything in the world, as Mike Somerville brought it up as, you can drink anything you want. What is your go-to drink? Ice cold martini. You like a martini? Now we're talking. She has come out firing (laughs) on all cylinders. Oh, my God, it has to be vodka. There you go. How do you like your martinis? Uh, ice cold, straight up. uh, A drop of olive or two in there, and I'm in heaven. Okay. No, it's funny. I... Love a nice martini, and I can really enjoy two. After that, I yeah. am done. Uh, no, done. one is good for me. Yeah. I, I, uh, one I, is good, two is great. Anymore, I'm oh. in trouble. Yeah. I had uh, I went to <laughs> the Brooklyn Academy of Music to hear um, Jean Baptiste actually, okay. and uh, and a friend of mine came in and she saw me. She says, "What are you drinking?" I said, "A martini," and she brought me another one and I drank it. Uh, when I woke up the next day, I couldn't hear. Yeah. So. <laughs> so one is good yeah. for me as I long once, as it's made well. I used to work on 95th Street uh, at a restaurant during the day, and I was dating a girl 
who lived in that area. And there's a dive bar up the street from the restaurant I worked at that's named the Dive Bar. It's oh, I, and I know exactly the where dive that bar is. on 95th in Amsterdam. Yeah. And I went there one day after work. It was like four or five o'clock. And the owner made me an ice cold martini. Seven later. Oh seven, my God. I was knocking on that girl's door asking her to marry me. Well, see, that's the <laughs> thing about martinis. If they are made well and ice cold, you don't even you don't feel even, them. Right. And, and that's, yes. what, that's what was the very interesting thing to me because uh, I used to see all these movies where these sophisticated people were having cocktails and they would have a martini or a 007 would, yeah. you know, shaken, not stirred. Which I heard and, is not the way to order a martini <laughs> if you actually know anything yeah, about martinis. You do not shake a martini. But I thought it was just so fabulous and yeah. so worldly and the first couple of ones I had were horrible I felt mm-hmm. like I was just drinking gasoline and mm-hmm. I'm going this does not taste sophisticated yeah. high society <laughs> for assholes yeah. 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 Well, there's a definite art to making a good one here's alright really so I, um, I'm amateur when it comes to martinis I like extra dirty extra olives just vodka and a little splash of mm-hmm. olive juice that's about it um, Did now, you wave a little vermouth over the top of the glass? Well, here's yeah. the thing. Now, what are the different ways you can order a martini? Because I've heard dry. I'd like a martini dry. Right. I heard straight up. I heard shaken, not stern, of course. But um, dry means extra vermouth, right? E- extra vermouth. Yeah. Right. No, I don't. No. I don't. I martini is dry enough for me. Actually, <laughs> I, thought, I thought dry meant no. No. When no, I, really? I, I don't know. I don't know either. I'll, That's I'll tell you in a minute. Let's Google. Let's, yeah, yeah. The, the, we got to get our martini etiquette. And I'm up embarrassed. I was a bartender for many years, but I don't know. When oh, we're, we're going to revoke your license. I don't remember. I should say. I made them. <laughs> when we're done with this podcast, I have a feeling we're all marching over to Brady's and ordering <laughs> yes. our favorite. Our favorite. Yeah. This guy's favorite. This guy's. Martini. This guy today is a marching. Try <laughs> <laughs> martini now. Here we go. Let's see the different ways to order a martini. What did... well, martini made with gin and vermouth. Blah, blah, blah. Over the years, martinis become one of the best known mix. Blah, blah, blah. So you can get gin or vodka with or without vermouth. I like the vodka. Yeah, that's uh, the only way for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, All right. So I heard the double doesn't matter. Way. <laughs> you don't shake it because you don't want to chip the ice. And then I, uh, ice chunks <laughs> I just thought this guy's in a movie and this it's like Maybe. a motto. It's like a motto that is iconic yeah. and, and it's actually I think one of the worst ways to make a martini. <laughs> You're just like I just want to be him. I want to be him. <laughs> he got a tuxedo nope. on. I There's m- the uh, dry martini is made with dry white vermouth whereas a regular martini is made with wet. <laughs> I don't know what it just says dry vermouth. <laughs> I know there's but different kinds white. of vermouths. Because there's always vermouths send in, in the answer, right? Send what it in. What I would in. do Come when on. I made a martini was I pour the vermouth into the rocks, and then I dump it out so it would just stay on the. It's gla- just the, the whiff. Right. It's a whiff. Yeah. <laughs> like I, oh, I wouldn't put the. Uh, yeah, because there's not enough alcohol in the vermouth for Richie. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just a hint. Just the hint. Just the hint of vermouth. Yeah. So the second thing we but normally that's so far. All the people we have had on, that was she's, the best one. Yeah, I think yeah, she's, she's hit the, the home run martini. with the drink. That's the way I roll. Yes. <laughs> we need to have, like, Ed Koch on so we can have a rusty nail or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 
Um, second so, part? Second part is we like to tell jokes, uh, street jokes. Has anyone ever come up to you after a show and said, hey, I got a joke for you? Well, or that kind of thing. Well, they have like come it. up to me and said, are, are you a comedian? Tell me a joke. And I would say, look down. And um, <laughs> that's my favorite. We almost had a spit take. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God, I love physical comedy. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's my favorite. Um, and I and I prefer that to someone coming up and saying, are you a comic? I've got a joke for you because that just no, never no. never works out well. <laughs> it so rarely works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love when people say, well, you're a comedian, you don't seem funny. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. You haven't said anything funny yet. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Give me, I, I give me a thousand dollars. I'll start yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> you go up to, like, at a party and, hey, you're a plumber? Come here. I got to show you my sink in the bathroom. Last week, I ran into a, a guy I went to high school with. And he was, you were there, uh, Craig. And uh, he's at the bar telling me jokes. And this is a guy I've known since I'm 14 years old. And I, and I go, oh, Craig, shut up. Like it was so nice to well, be able. I'm going. Meanwhile, you were there with your theater friends. I was. I, so it was my not theater friends. Yes, Joe. <laughs> Do you have theater friends? Yeah. Well, I have a degree in That's musical no. theater because I'm a director. Are you really? Yes, and I uh, I studied at uh, Brooklyn College Performing Arts for directing, and uh, really? I have some I have some directing projects coming up oh, real well, soon then too. We should talk. We we have so much in common. <laughs> I, I so think much. we have a love match well, here, we ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 50th anniversary of the theater department at my college. Richie, and you look really Joel good. Joel and I went. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You look I, great. I love how he said my, my college and not our college. Oh, I goes, forgot that you went there. No, he well, goes, you were a theater major, though, okay. in all fairness. <laughs> what was You're your honoring major? The business. So business. Back to you guys. So <laughs> You're starting to look Joel handsome a, now. Joel was a business major. <laughs> Sorry, Richie. And he, and he proves that every time he's on stage. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, poor uh, Joe. He's well, back. Well, the first time I worked for him, we realized we went to the same college. And he was emceeing, and he said, well, how do you want me to bring you up? I said, I want you to introduce me as the best co co comic from Wagner College. The funniest <laughs> comic from Wagner College. I'm also theater background. <laughs> That's why this room is just full of electric. But, <laughs> but I ran, so after the event, we went to a bar, and I ran to a guy I went to high school with. And he starts telling me jokes. And... It was so nice to have someone that I could go, shut up. I don't, this is, you stop embarrassing. But he wouldn't stop. And he knew everybody at that yeah, bar. Yeah, and he started to tell everybody at the bar, this is Richie, he's a comedian. And then he's telling them. And I go, you know what the great thing about you, Craig, is no one wants to do your job. He's a podiatrist. <laughs> so I was like, I'm never going to want to do your job. So. <laughs> My wife and I, when we first started dating, we went out and, uh, there's a big group of people, and she was like, oh, my my boyfriend, he's a, he's a comedian. And then she yeah. just saw the vultures come in. Yeah, it's... And then after that, she goes, what should I say when they ask what you do? I go, tell them I'm a garbage man. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> tell them I'm a writer. Those are the only two I'll accept because... That'll work. <laughs> so from now on, if we meet people that we know we're never going to like see again, like if we're on vacation or something, I'm just a writer, and when they ask me what I write, I go, oh, travel call because <laughs> I did write for a travel column because as soon as they hear comedian, yeah. they're going to tell me their best joke, tell me I'm not funny, or ask me to do my, do a little of your stick. Like, yes. no, I'm on vacation. Right. I'm wearing cargo shorts. It's a funeral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, now how did you get into comedy? 
Um, well, from theater to comedy, <laughs> it, it's a it's still entertainment, but it's a bit of a leap. I was doing my theater thing, and it was not working for me. And I saw Alice Arthur on a cable show doing stand up, and I said, "I can do that." I literally said, "I can do <laughs> really? that." And um, and it was um, Kiss Met. Yeah. It really, it just, it just took off, and I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm just delighted that um, Alice Arthur, myself, and um, from um, Night Court, Mar Marsha Warfield, Marshall. and I are all in a wonderful documentary on Black women comics. Uh, Jane Galvin Lewis, myself, and Marsha Warfield, and Alice Arthur. Uh, we we go back. This is like from the last century, ladies and gentlemen, yes. <laughs> and um, Yes, black women were in comedy in the 20th century. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, it's our uh, podcast, but she's talking, these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, you're Jewish? <laughs> um, and uh, I was very, I was very fortunate that um, I, I was able to uh, have a lot of success with the, with the stand-up comedy. And the, the funny thing is, I, I started doing that because I wanted a higher profile as an actress because exactly I was, I I was a very fun. serious actress. I, was, I studied uh, and worked at the Negro Ensemble Company with them in, in various uh, positions, mostly missionary. And, um, <laughs> but I, I never really you know, got the, the acting thing, the profile that I wanted, and then the, the comedy just took off, especially took after I got... Um, um, the management, um, Dave Jonas, who rest in peace. Um, I worked with him, and um, besides being a Catskills comedy queen, I was also working with fabulous music acts. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so, wait, I want to talk about this. Lot. Yeah, you guys have but, a lot. But uh, before we get, where'd you get started? Where'd you start doing comedy? Well, in New, um, in New York City, I passed first at Catch a Rising Star, and then when I would leave there, I'd come over here and do a set at the comic strip. Right, right, right. And um, But my home clubs were Catch and the Improv downtown when Silver reigned mm -hmm. there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, now you guys are both going from, now were you musical theater or just well just drama anything. because i uh, that's what i was bringing i was bringing the drama <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's i was more just straight acting it wasn't really right i mean i did both background. but uh, no of course but but it's not my fault i have this amazing voice with, with a voice like that <laughs> don't hate me because i'm talented <laughs> we'll get back to you in a second yeah, in oh a no problem <laughs> we're about to have a lover's yes, <laughs> but enough about you enough about you Oh, great. The I'm just here for the anyway. drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but so now you, you both go through school. You both do the same thing where it was a, an idea of upping your acting. Yeah, but for me, it, it was, it's, I would, people would tell me, I mean, teachers in college were going, any door to open is a good door. You're funny. You should try stand up. It wasn't like I never you you had she had an epiphany. She had I mean, well she had an epiphany. I can do that. It was almost it's, an epiphany yeah. that you had. You were getting egged yeah. on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. To do I it. never thought I could. I do literally it. was just drinking with the comedians at the club and went, Yeah, I should do this. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. it would be fun. That, that shows. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I still drink You're still with them. Still drinking with the comedians. <laughs> All right, let's going, wrap this up. I should do this. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't gotten on stage. <laughs> But drinking it's with in, comics It's is in fun. your future market, really. <laughs> did is. you now how did you get involved in directing? 
Well, um, I was at Brooklyn College uh, and went to graduate school for directing. And when I found um, how heavy the course load was for graduate school, I said, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Really? <laughs> oh my God! It was. It was. I spent all my time in the um, in the in the library doing research and, and writing papers, and all all the people that I knew were actually in mm -hmm. films, and they were on were stage. Acting. They was they were they were acting. They were right. you know they were they were doing. doing stuff, and you know I was sitting doing in the library ha having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But um, but then I started working with writers' workshops and. Um, got to know a lot of playwrights who would ask me to direct readings of their work or, or direct productions, and I'm very proud, most proud of a production that I did with the New Federal Theater that actually won Best Ensemble Adelco. That's for uh, Excellence in Black Theater. Uh, real black men don't sit cross-legged on the floor. And it was really, <laughs> it, was, it, it was funny, it was shocking, it was sad, it was uh, topical well, at the time. Well, that's true, because they have that huge thing in that's the middle right. that they exactly. can't cross. That's right, exactly. You got to the crux of the matter. <laughs> right. and, um, and I continue to do that. I actually have a piece that's been commissioned by Dixon Place, which is a wonderful art institute uh, downtown. Um, it's going to be uh, coming up in October. And then um, just in a couple of weeks in June, I'm directing a reading of a piece at the Wow Cafe. Wow, that's great. That's yeah, amazing. wow. This is wow, cool. yeah, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> the Wow He's Cafe. Plugging. So what was your moment when you started doing stand-up that you felt was your, I know it's a million tiny steps to move up, but what was like a moment that hit you that was like, oh my God, I'm a real comedian? Um... Well, I loved being on the stage of Radio City Music Hall and having How thousands and That's thousands a... of people <laughs> laughing at me. So I, I is... did that, too. <laughs> It's so weird how I think you two are about I to think, get married. I think I'm the male Rhonda Handsome. <laughs> well, let's a little not go salt, a little pepper. <laughs> let's just say the white one, not Who the, did you open first? <laughs> the female. <laughs> Haircut. I love this. Haircut. I didn't want to say that because that you're funny. That was funny. <laughs> Who did we you have that on tape. He said you're funny. Huh? Yeah, we're gonna just. Can you cut that? And we'll just keep playing it over. Put and that over. in a loop. Well, yes. I'm drunk. So. <laughs> Joel's funny to me right now. Ah, oh, that's so vermouth. What got you to Radio City Music Hall? Uh, Anita Baker. I did wow. two and a half years wow. with her, touring with her. We did oh indoor venues across the country that were like. Radio City Musical, wow. like the Fox, and yeah. er, er, just across the country, um, and then all the outdoor venues across the country, oh, um, and it was just fantastic. So you were used to playing big venues, uh, because that seven thousand people. When, when I got they, used to it laugh. real quick. <laughs> well, when I heard them when, laughing, I said, "This is where I belong." It's completely different. Oh even, my God. even working at Westbury Music Fair is different because mm -hmm. that's in the round, in the round. Oh. and you have to really, you know, be aware of that and um, and, and, and it deal is a with, the, with the phys physicality like, of it. Where'd the guy go? Uh, well, you know, like. for, for all the listeners out there, tell people what it's like to perform not only in front of that many people, but indoor versus outdoor, and also being the comedy act opening for a music act. What's that like? It's sometimes it could be a little scary. Most of the time, I loved it because you're doing 
15 or 20 at tops. Okay, okay. And, uh, and the show's not on you. You just have to keep people... You're filling time. You're filling Almost time. Almost like a pep rally, like yes. just keeping them en- the you, energy you, high. You're filling time until everybody gets in their seats. The one time, the only one time that I had a problem on tour with Anita Baker was when we went to Greenville, North Carolina, and her chauffeur took her to Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, boy. And we were in a hot gymnasium where people were standing, and the show was 45 minutes late. And once they knew she was on her way to the real venue, they threw me out on stage, and people started shouting, you're not Anita, you're not Anita, you're not Anita. (laughs) And I actually, I did, I did my time, but I swear to God, when I came off that stage, I could not see, speak, or walk. The guy, you know, one of the uh, roadies had to help me down off the stage, wow. and I just sat still for a moment, and then I found a nice martini. Ah! <laughs> and it came full. Wow. Well, I thought they might have thrown you out when you were supposed to go out, and then you <laughs> oh, found out she was in another no, stage. No, well, they knew and that you had to stretch. No, she, no, she had. No, they knew that okay. she had oh to get God. from an, they another fire place. The I, I hope I mean, so. I hope so. Paul Provenza had a great joke about opening for a music act. He goes, it's like when you go to the deli and you order a sandwich and they put that little pickle in the in the meal. I'm the pickle. You didn't expect me. You didn't expect me, but I'm here. Right. You're not paying for me. I had a wonderful experience with Tony Orlando. Not many people can say that. Oh, my God. Uh, now we're talking. Uh, I don't know why I chose to buy a new car on the same day that I was opening for him out at Westbury Music Fair. and I had What a day. Yeah, and I had no idea how long it took to do all the paperwork. You yeah. know, they keep sending you from one office to another. It's brutal. And it was a weekend, and the traffic out to Long Island was like crazy. <laughs> and I ended up being incredibly late. I mean, absolutely late. People, Tony opened for you. The man actually did that. They didn't want to let me in when I got to the door. And my had my little my son was little at the time, and he was with me. And he started crying. You better let my mommy do her show. You better let my <laughs> mommy do her show. And finally, they let me in. And Tony says. Let me introduce you. And he went out and gave me a fabulous intro. Ladies oh and gentlemen, God. this young lady was was caught in traffic. She's a wonderful comedian. Put your hands together for the comedy wow. of Rhonda Hanson. I and, love and I have to I'll do it right him. now. <laughs> yeah. And I have to love him forever for oh that because God. they did not have to put me on. And, uh, and so, But they were holding the curtain for you, so he had not gone out to perform. No, he hadn't gone out because, well, uh, it was going to open with me. I right. mean, I, I like, well, I was here early. I mean, <laughs> knocking on the door, go, let me in! I, I show up every place early. I am never on colored people's time. <laughs> Which is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> and ironically, I'm always late. <laughs> We're like, we're like yin and yang. <laughs> Shut up. So, w- 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 how how late were you, or what's the time? Well, I was, uh, you know, I was there at the time, knocking on the door when the show should have been starting. When you should have been on stage, or when okay. Tony should have been on stage. When when I got to the backstage door, door after being in crazy Long Island traffic. That's, you know, I'm knocking on the door when the show should have started. And then oh. everyone had a right to be, you know, yeah. livid. Did and you knock three times? <laughs> 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 
Thank you. Uh, Several times. Several times. And um, I was just happy that it it ended that well. And I will always love Tony for that. That's a a really special memory. The only comedian I ever seen at Westbury was David Lee Roth. Really? (laughs) They were playing Panama. You know the part of the song where he's like, I reach back between my legs. He started doing crowd work. Hey, where are you from? You look like a Cherokee. Yeah, he does that with Van Halen now, too. I heard him. That's so funny. I heard a concert. And in, at that point, he turned to uh, Eddie's son, Wolfgang. Wolfgang. And he just turned and goes, Wolfie, this is your first time in Japan, right? You're, and I'm like, what the hell's he doing? Like he's just, <laughs> How you like in Japan? It's cool, right? <laughs> Dude. You see Michael Anthony in the back <laughs> giving the stretch sign. <laughs> so uh, you worked with Anita so, Baker, Tony Orlando. Who else? Who the else Pointer Sisters. The really? Pointer Sisters. Uh, oh, Smokey Robinson. Oh, really? Melissa Manchester. Um, but so, <laughs> that's so weird. Just... I'm opening for her in February. Oh, great. So Tell her I, I said hello. I will. Uh, I loved opening for Jackie Mason. and um, Oh, I, I mean, it was just a cavalcade uh, of people. I met and... Jackie Mason here at the Strip years ago, and he came up to me, and he goes, uh, do you know what time I go on? I go, I don't work here. He goes, then why am I talking to you? Yeah. <laughs> he just walked I, away. I opened up for him in Staten Island. He was just trying to do, uh, uh, getting ready for his new one-man show. And uh, uh, Vic, the owner, uh, goes, do 12 minutes. I thought Jackie, he didn't even know me. He goes, how about seven and a half? <laughs> <laughs> he loved you that much. <laughs> Well, I like Jackie Mason, but it would have been really funny if he goes, what time am I going on here? And you went, 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, he's a legend, though. He is yeah. a legend. He's a legend. Was that one? Because I'm very intrigued by, by you know how you've opened up for all these um, musicians. Oh, Aretha Franklin. Wow. Oh, my God. Now, the... so, but did you open up for one and it just kind of opened the floodgate that you kind of well, got into I had that? people at the time, Joel. I had... I... <laughs> I had Not people. Like people like Mark and I had. Yes. Had real people. I had real people, and they were they were getting me these wonderful gigs, and and I had it was people at the time. Like, <laughs> that's my favorite part of the whole thing. At the time. <laughs> Not now. But would they have like because. I, I imagine they would want to see your act. So, like, did they come and see you at a club, and all of a sudden? Well, like, yep, see, the thing the that I found out is that if something is supposed to be, it will be. So the agent and my manager worked together. And I remember I was out of my mind trying to get people to come over to the improv to see me audition for um, the, the agents. And it was a rainy night. So few people showed up. I went up and I did well, but it was a light crowd, which is not usual back in the day at the at the improv. It was a light crowd. And I felt like, fuck, all these people are always asking me, let me know when you're doing something. And I said, come out. This is going to change my life. You know, and I and, can't on Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they always, people exactly. always do that. I'm coming. Up. And, right, I'm going to be there. And I was and I was really <laughs> pissed off at everyone that they didn't show up. And um it happened anyway, you That's know? awesome. It happened anyway, and um, I had the most fun of my life playing to these huge crowds, Vegas, Tahoe, you know, all of these, you know, huge music venues. I, I was actually at the Grand Ole Opry. I mean, I mean wow. I've been wow. in, in such wonderful venues and, and being with such 
talented people. I, I feel blessed, actually. That's yeah. so amazing. And well, here I am with you guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to say your career. You know what? I don't want to say you don't have people now. <laughs> I don't. I have no people. Well, it shows. <laughs> Except you three wonderful <laughs> men. I have you. I have now, you in the palm of my hand. <laughs> Perfect segue. I used, at, I used to work at NBC, and Aretha Franklin was on The Tonight Show. And she insisted on there. There was no air conditioning in the whole building. The Queen was, of Soul. Was she like that when you worked with her? The did Queen of Soul. We were in like uh, Atlantic City and Vegas when we when we did our things. I remember we were in Vegas and uh, she's she's walking. I think I was coming off stage and she was walking on and she had one shoe on and one shoe off. And I said to her, um, "Do you want me to help you get your shoe on?" And she goes, "No." <laughs> and, and she just kept walking with one shoe on and one shoe off. She, yeah, she was in the hallway. But she is. She's the queen of soul, and I and I bow down. She, yeah, yeah. It's, it was like one of those people where I'm like, I really, really want to go over to her, but I didn't. Well, you, you know, I, I, when I opened for James Brown, I could not even walk past his dressing room. I had to go underneath the stage really? and go uh, and then go on to, to open for him. And the thing about it is these people, these major stars, they have the lives of so many people on their shoulders. And when they're asking just for, you know, the green M&Ms or when they want, you know, you to not, they don't want anyone to have eye contact with them. Anita Baker actually had her bodyguard on the sound equipment because she didn't want anybody touching the settings that she wanted. Really? And yeah. And, and you know, I think... When whenever somebody has these unusual requests, I I say there's a reason. There's a reason for it because their name is on the marquee. Actually, when we were at Radio City Music Hall, my name was on the marquee too, nice. along with her. But uh, uh, mine wasn't. I love I loved it. I really loved it. Walking down Sixth wow. Avenue, I, Avenue of the Americas, I couldn't believe it. Oh, but, that's but, that's but, huge. But when <laughs> but when they have these quirks, you know they they. They obviously uh, are dependent upon those, or they need these things to make sure that they deliver. And you I, know, they're I, they're I, paying everyone's salary. I completely am on the same wavelength with you on that because there's a, like people complain like, oh, these celebrities and they have their stupid riders and they they're out. There's a reason, and it's the same as when you go to a comedy club on the road and they're like, you're only allowed to do this, and you're like, okay, there's a story behind this. Who fucked this up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody fucked with her vocals on her settings and probably ruined the show. Well, and you know, people want it the way they want it to give you the best that they can. Yeah. I think that you make a great point that it, uh, th there's a lot of pressure on being a celebrity, just being a performer and a celebrity. That one fuck up, and, and, and like everywhere. she said, there's so many jobs on the line. Yeah. To, you know, you know, if you if you don't if you don't work, all these people probably aren't working either. Yeah. So, and I, that is a lot of pressure, you know. And I don't think people realize that. Wrap their head around. Yeah. Like, she, I oh, mean, I ran into him and he wouldn't talk to me. She had an entire band, an entire, an entire band. Then she had backup singers. Yeah. Road and the and the and a road crew. I mean, I mean, 
so so many so many people well, and the people that sell tickets the people who sell the merchandise soda, the thing, <laughs> all that stuff those are all people making their living because this person because is coming you know, to town yeah, yeah. so there's a lot of pressure i love yeah. musical acts and they can be as quirky as they like as long as i'm opening for them <laughs> <laughs> as long as the check clears yeah Richie, you, did you tell on the show what you were doing at radio city have you told it yet no what were you, you doing at Radio City telling jokes? I, I opened for, what do you mean? What, who did I open for? Yeah. yeah. Well, I did, I, I opened for Dr. Oz, which I don't know why you're bringing that up, though. No, no. <laughs> I well, think you're, you're I, messing with me. No, no. no, no I'm it, actually, was, it was to compare stories. Oh, okay. No, you, because you said I do the warm-up for the Dr. Oz show. Oh, cool. And he did a show at Radio City, and he asked me to open for him. But it was... The funny, the funny thing is, is the comp- there was a company, USANA, who we I do a lot of work for now. They, they were you know pretty much backing it, and when I went out, the first three thousand seats were all people who worked for USANA, and I went out and I said, how about a big hand for Ixana? <laughs> and I got booed. I mean, they were bo- you, no one gets booed at Radio City. I got booed. At, they were <laughs> booing me, oh and I couldn't God. remember the name of the. I, I choked so bad. I'm like, I, it's oh, co- I thought you did it on purpose. No, I completely forgot the name. Well, and, then that makes sense. And, <laughs> I, mean, I literally got up and went, "You suck!" You, and I'm like, "This is so awesome. I'm getting booed." At, and, and meanwhile, the other four thousand people, they didn't. They didn't care. They didn't care. Not, but the, the 3,000 USADA people were very pissed. In my entire career, I don't think I've had 3,000 people boo me. You had it all at <laughs> yes. once. Yes, I did. That's a wow. record. That's, That's a record. Let's get but this I, out of the I, way now. I, 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 I can't remember how I got out of it. I started singing. A, I go, what's the name? And they were yelling, USANA. And I, and I said, what's what? the name? The name? And they go, USANA. USANA. I go, See, well, now we know it. And when I came off, the head of USANA goes, you didn't do that on purpose. He thought I did it. As like an advertisement? Yeah. As and a me, bit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, he was no, doing I, a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. turned it into an advertisement and a pep rally. Yes, yes. <laughs> when I say you, you say Sana. <laughs> you. Yeah. you suck, no, you Sana. You sana. <laughs> so, but well, that feeling of 7,000 people is amazing. It's great. It's, it's, it's absolutely yeah. unbeatable. What's the biggest crowd you ever played to, do you know? Well, Radio City Music Hall was the best because you have the balcony and then all of those seats. And did you go out when it was empty? Well, of it's course. I, I, always, cool I always go to the venue. Or I'm always early. Yeah, but I go to the venue thing. and, you know, walk the space and do a sound when, check, when get a feeling stage, for it. I, I love that stuff. You just, watch, you just see the tears. It's so cool. Not, so I'm not on any level close to this of you guys, but uh, to me, I always have these moments and uh, where I just go, I can't believe I'm seeing this or doing this just because I tell jokes. Because we mm-hmm. might not be financially the most set people on the planet. We're not. But we live like rich people wish they could. <laughs> because we see so much cool stuff. Yeah. How much would it cost to have somebody pay money to get on Radio City Music Hall stage yeah. in a packed house. How much money would that cost? You know, you people got paid to do it. People would give their eye teeth to have Diana Ross say, don't look at me. <laughs> you have to have how many times, like how many great moments? I love, I love the way she snuck that in. Yeah. Oh, she snuck a lot in. Mo- Monday's me. tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah, I got Sirius XM. I mean, every time we ask a question, I'm like, boom. 
It's, <laughs> it's what I do. I know. Here's why I open for air supply. Remember air supply? We'll be right back to you. No, Richie's got to brag for a no moment. Problem. No, I'm not bragging. So after the show, they were meeting their fans. They had like one of these meet and greets. So I went up, and I, so I go, hey, man. And they, oh, you were funny. I go, hey, I'm a big f-. I go, I love you. I, I always loved you guys. And they go, no, you didn't. Like they knew. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nah, yeah. And we ended up getting drunk that night. It was great. I'm like, oh. I was drinking with Hanson I-, I wanted to ask you though, uh, because like you're 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 filling time when you're in front of those seven thousand people. Is it like a, a a pin drop, or do you feel as though like half the people are listening? Um, or it. It, it depends. It, it really, it really it depends, especially like if you're outside. The venue. You know, um, a Boston Commons was the first venue that I did with Anita Baker, and that was outdoor. And lightning struck that night. Someone was sitting at a tree and fell down. You know, you never oh know what's going to happen. Um, it, it's, it, it can be people, you know, trying to find their seats, milling about, and then, you know, there's, whenever there's a core of people listening to you, you play to them, and they draw other people in, and that's what I love, when you realize that, as you're going along, you know, more people are responding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is a big mistake of young comedians, and I had it too, and I had a comedian tell me to stop doing it. You try to play to the people that aren't listening, and then you, and it, Play to the people that are. Yeah. Even right. if it's one person, it'll work. It might yeah. be all the time. Well, well, that's that's the other thing. You're not looking at them as a thousand people. You're looking at them as the as the one or two people who are actually into you. You yeah. know, and you give them your best. That's all you can do. You you know, it's just like what you guys do here on, on the podcast. You're not talking to millions and millions of people. You know, you're you're. you're Joel you're, said we are. Oh. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and we're definitely not trying our best. My bad, my bad. We're li- you're talking to millions and millions of people. But oh, you're talking. But you give the effect of a personal interaction, yes. and and that's yeah. what really connects you with people. You know, even when we're doing something here in, in the club, I remember one of the best things uh, when uh, Catch a Rising Star and and at and the Improv and and also here at the Comic Strip, when when you come back from a gig either in Jersey or Pennsylvania and it's late night and and you're talking to somebody that's when the clubs were open until one o'clock two o'clock in the morning and maybe it's like two tables four tables and you're having a great time it's that personal that personal connection that that feels so good especially if you know you get a laugh on a new line and you go okay i'm good yeah i'm good that's really cool i love city clubs on a tuesday when there's seven people yeah (laughs) seriously you can have such a good time with those people it's one of those things when you're is even on the road and you show up and there's like only a few people there and then the club owners or the managers like apologize and i always go no no i should apologize to you you guys aren't going to make money tonight yeah but i'm going to have a great time yeah because i get to know these seven people well i love i love when you do that and there's always a reason first of all they always go I should have been here last week. <laughs> I love when they do that last week. Last week, uh, people and the other hanging thing is off they, the rafters. You know what happened? There's a strawberry 
festival. Festival town. I mean, you know, Everybody really, goes I, to the strawberry I couldn't compete festival. with the strawberry festival. At 10 at night? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right that we get to do this kind of thing because we're just telling jokes. We we're just talking jokes. to people, and, and it's a fun job. It's a it's, fun job. I love this business. <laughs> I, I really do. As much as I get mad and I'll get frustrated over little things, I absolutely love the fact you get to perform in front of all these amazing people. And how cool is it that you're not just there at work, you're there watching what you would pay to go and do. I would stand in the wings every night with the Pointer Sisters because they were just so incredible and, and dance with uh, Anita Baker, just, you know, listening, just s sitting there listening to You would have paid money to go to the concert. Absolutely. Now you're being paid to be there yeah. in front of them. Absolutely. Like, it's amazing. I it's I. Now, on a very opposite than you guys, I've opened for heavy metal bands. Different world. Wow. <laughs> That's called survival. <laughs> you go out and just basically fill time, and they're yelling at you, and you're yelling at them. And it's, Yeah, but uh, tell her what you did that one time. <laughs> it's such a great what story. What did you do? I was so nervous. And this is actually how I kind of got into wanting to do stand-up, was I went out and pretended I was tuning a guitar, and I was like, check, check, one, check, check. Like, I was checking the mics, and all of a sudden I'd go to the next thing, and then I'd go over and, hey, where are you from? You guys, how many people are from uh, whatever town? Oh, yeah. that's great. People uh, like, the band sucked, but the roadie was good. <laughs> <laughs> that roadie was hysterical. Oh, how <laughs> wonderful. When the band was ready to come out, like, I would kind of get in the material and kind of do whatever, because I would start, like, cheering, doing cheerleading kind of stuff. And then I would start talking about myself. And then when the band was ready to come on, I go, oh, shit, I got to get off stage. Ladies and gentlemen, Dizzy Whore! Oh. And then I get on stage. And the band would be cracking up because they know me. My brother's the singer. And I, like they were cracking up because... I acted like I was a roadie. <laughs> Meanwhile, I don't know how to play fucking guitar. <laughs> but the audience <laughs> loves you. <laughs> but then if you suck, they're like, why'd that roadie do that? <laughs> but if you're a great, you're the greatest roadie ever. <laughs> so, I, think, I think we're good. Well, I think this is great. I mean, we're 40 that minutes was, in here. Yeah, that was drinks, jokes, and storytelling. You guys got an extra 10 minutes. Ron, thank you so what? much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. My gosh, we will definitely have I'm you in back. a small, cramped room with three white guys. What more <laughs> could I want? <laughs> we make dreams come true. Yes. Like prior Seth, you I died too. and went to the wrong heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Last call. Thanks for listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling.